Today's episode of Theoretically Speaking features Dr. Bill Saunders from Integra Connect. He joins us to answer some questions around real-world data and real-world evidence as an expert in health economics and outcomes research. Let's jump in. Hi, Bill. Thanks for being here today. Hi. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Um, can we just start with a brief introduction to who you are? Sure. Yes, I'm uh, Bill Saunders. I'm an epidemiologist by training, and I'm currently the vice president of HOR and commercial analytics at Integra Connect. Glad to be here today. Thanks. We're glad to have you here. Let's get started. The term real-world data and real-world evidence have been buzzwords thrown around often in the life sciences industry. As an expert in HOR research, what does real-world data and real-world evidence mean to you? And in your opinion, what has been its impact thus far? Yeah, real-world data and real-world evidence have been, uh, they have been thrown around a lot over the past 20 years, and they mean uh, a, lot of, a lot of things. Mainly, let's talk about what it means to me. So what it means to me is real-world data is anything collected outside of a traditional clinical trial setting. Uh, this can be an electronic health record data. This can be a claim source. This can be a patient-reported outcomes data. This could be imaging scans. This can be disease registries. So anything collected outside of a clinical trial setting, that's what real-world data means to me. Real-world evidence, however, that's a little different. So that's the analysis of the data to get insights uh, into drug usage benefits, risk factors, uh, disease natural history. So the, the real world evidence is the analysis of that real world data that I just spoke of earlier. So the goal is to create a, a, a longitudinal patient journey. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but we want to enable a physician or the scientific community to gain deeper insights from this rich data. Uh, in terms of the impact of RWE slash RWD, we know that uh, clinical trials are a gold standard for getting a drug approved. However, uh, real world data can help all the way across the entire uh, life cycle of, of a drug from early clinical development all the way through post-marketing surveillance. Uh, it, it reflects uh, actual usage in the patient community. I call this in the wild, uh, which is what's really happening out there in the, in the community. Uh, some examples of how market access, uh, research team, clinical team, various uh, groups within a pharmaceutical company or other private company could use the data. One is informing clinical trial design. I worked on a project called information-based clinical planning, where we looked, we use these various sources to help sense check the selection criteria for a clinical trial. So it's amazing that tweaking the selection criteria for a clinical trial can make the clinical trial much easier to recruit for, therefore saving a lot of money. Clinical trials cost a ton, a ton of money to perform. So anytime you can design the trial to, to represent more pa as patients are naturally seeking care for that condition, uh, the better. The other ways you can use the data is you can look for off-label usage. You can look for uh, particular safety signals. The size of these sources is often uh, critical here. A clinical trial has a few thousand patients at best. Uh, large electronic health record systems and claim sources have hundreds of thousands, even millions of patients in them. And by doing so, you have a much better chance to pick up uh, a safety outcome that you might not have even picked up in a cl clinical trial setting at all. Uh, you can look at treatment switching and various types of treatment switching. Uh, lines of therapy and, and oncology is a critical thing to study. 
And without the size of the larger data sets and the, multi, the multiple types of data that you can blend together to look at this at treatment switching across a, tra a treatment journey for a patient, you, 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 know, you can't just do that with a clinical trial or a, or a simple uh, single source. Uh, using act looking at actual cost is another benefit, another example of how pharma companies can use the data. Uh, having the actual cost in a claim, but also having um, you can look at costs from other national sources and impute certain averages for things if you're missing certain values in your data that you have. So uh, it's, it's RWE to RWD is very impactful and it goes across the whole life cycle of, of a product. And it's a lot of fun to, to, uh, to work in this area, frankly. Okay, that's interesting. Um, what about across a drug's entire life cycle? So the data should not just be coming from the efficacy of the drug. So looking at the real world data to get a comprehensive view throughout the cycle, you got to look at what's happening back in R&D. You got to look at data that can inform commercialization. And then you have to think about what data you're going to collect post marketing. In other words, post surveillance data. So with RWD, you can pinpoint gaps in care and build a highly effective evidence-based commercial strategy. This can include uh, helping to drive a decision based on market feasibility. This can include refining patient subpopulations. That's the beauty of real world data is that you have the size and numbers sometimes to find patients that are in very specific subpopulations that there was no way you could study in a clinical trial. Uh, this is often used in post-market situations where you can look at safety and efficacy in the real world setting, in, in, I call it in the wild. In other words, what's really happening out there? So you, you don't really understand patient uh, drug safety until you study this in real world settings across many, many, many more thousands of patients that could be in, in a clinical trial. Also in post-marketing, you can look at doing observational research to look at drug adherence and reimbursement uh, with commercial payment models or value-based care. So this is true for any disease state, but it's especially true in oncology. Uh, it's disease state and progression have more heterogeneity. It's very complex. You need to employ precision or personalized medicine wherever you can. And more specific, detailed, multidisciplinary data is useful in oncology. Okay, that was a great response. Um, so how can real-world data then help providers at the point of care? Primarily, the best way to help providers at the point of care is to make sure that research gets published and presented at conferences. Uh, by doing so, you can quickly impact the behaviors of physicians, and that directly impacts the care that patients receive and the overall health of patients with particular uh, conditions. At a recent ASCO meeting, uh, Integra Connect did a study with one of our partners where we looked at a particular drug that was used for myelofibrosis in the real-world setting. What we saw is that patients that were taking uh, low doses of the drug a lot of them actually had platelet count that suggested that a higher dose should have been given. Uh, physicians often choose the uh, appropriate drug, but when they're concerned over safety or they're concerned over complications, they may prescribe a lower dose than recommended. What this does is it compromises the long-term clinical benefit. Uh, it, it, as you see from this study, we were able to show in the wild, as I referred to earlier, that providers were making their own decisions based on what they thought and they were actually not providing the maximum benefit to the patient that they could have if they had followed uh, the recommendations. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. 
There's been a lot of talk about the use of RWD for value-based care and precision medicine. So how do we approach this? There are five characteristics that you should uh, think about when you're evaluating uh, the right type of RWD. So when you're looking at a source or looking at a, a situation, are you using multiple sources? So by layering in different data sets, you can enable the insights to understand how a treatment's performing in the real world and including not just the claims and clinical trials data, but also EHR data and prescription data and patient registries. Uh, another characteristic that is useful is making sure that you're able to take advantage of structured and unstructured data. Clinical data that, in, that is, includes structured data in an EHR is significant. There's often rich clinical data that lives untrapped a lot of times uh, in unstructured narratives. So having a complete picture requires using the structured data and the unstructured data and applying natural language processing to fully uncover longitudinal journeys. So once you have this critical mass of data points, you can begin, the data can begin to be predictive, which makes it much more useful uh, for users. A third characteristic is that it's integrated. Uh, you want to use a data set that has not only aggregate information, but detail that you can use simultaneously when you're doing the analysis. So we need to take all the data from the different data sets, unstructured and structured, to get the unified, complete view of what's truly happening. Another characteristic is it needs to be accessible. A lot of times data is trapped in silos and there's no way to map it to other data sets collected even on the same patients. So it should be easy to be used and easily to, to merge together where possible. The last characteristic is being complete. The data needs to, to, to be complete. Uh, if you have high levels of missingness for, for particular fields, uh, sometimes the, the data can't help you answer the question that you'd like to, to answer. I, I will say, however, though, it's completely natural in electronic health record data for there, for there to be missing data and for there to be incomplete data for certain uh, constructs. It's normal. You, you see that. It's, again, it's in the wild. You're going to have that in this kind of data. So those are the five characteristics that I mentioned, um, having multiple sources, using structured and unstructured data, being able to integrate the sources together, making sure that the that they're easy, easy to use or at least accessible and it's possible to use them and that the data is complete. That all makes a lot of sense. So tell me, Bill, what do we need to shift the conversation from the price of the drug to the overall cost of care? That's a great question, Sydney. Uh, the cost of a drug compared to the overall cost often represents just a small percentage. Uh, we all know that that hospitalizations and long-term care, that, that's an incredibly expensive portion of, of health care. And in oncology, where you have uh, very, very sick patients who often have to be hospitalized or on treatment for years, uh, it's obviously very expensive um, to provide health care, and it's very expensive as a patient. So what we need in this situation is we, for, for especially to succeed and for, to provide the best care for patients, uh, we need a, a partner. We need to work with people that work with the data, work with patients that have strong links to community practices. They have an in-depth understanding of how to, to organize the data in such a way that it takes advantage of various types of data throughout the uh, drug's life cycle not just one or two types of data, but many, the many we've talked about already. 
And to find to identify these unmet needs and underrepresented populations, you have to have rich data, often of a, a, a pretty big size, uh, to be able to do that. And you can't do that from a clinical trial population or from the po- or from one clinic's population. You have to integrate various sources, the ones we've mentioned, electronic health record data, uh, claims data, um, patient-reported outcomes data. You can even use uh, national surveys that collect data on cost and impute data into the study that you're doing where you don't have particular variables. You can use data from other data sets to uh, fill in those gaps to be able to run specific models that you have in mind. So what makes you so excited for RWD in the next year? Great question, Sydney. Uh, When I started in this business, a lot of the things we can do now with data was just a dream. Or we had to wait three to six months to try to integrate information. Now we can do it almost real time. And the ability to use clinical data and merge it with various other sources is now a reality. So we're able to merge this clinical data and use input from experienced oncologists that are seeing these patients to create real-time changes to treatment pathways and to improve outcomes. That's what makes me excited. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for all that information and for being here today, Bill. You're welcome. Enjoy it. Thanks. It was a pleasure having you with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Theoretically Speaking and that you'll tune in to future episodes where we chat with pharma value, evidence, and access experts. Don't forget to subscribe. 